I hope you'll look in your copy of Lifelines and look at the outline there and follow along as we study from God's Word uh, this morning. I want to make a, a bold claim for this message as we start. And that's that you could leave this place today with a tool in your hands that will help transform your prayer life. You, you see, when you look at most of us Christians, we're not happy with our prayer life. Uh, I don't talk to anybody who says, you know, I really feel good about what's going on in my prayer life. I, I pray enough and I pray well enough. Most of us have some sense of at least low-grade frustration that we, we don't spend enough time in prayer. and Our prayers are not always worded in a way that we think that would be pleasing to God. And so today we want to work on that. You know, so often, you know, I find in my own prayer life, you know, I struggle. You know, I go to God and maybe I'm exhausted and so I don't even stay wide awake while I'm praying. Or I end up just sort of repeating the same things that, that I say and, and not in a meaningful way. Or my mind begins to immediately wander to the next project that I'm about to take on. And so my mind is diverted from prayer. I'd say all my life it's been an up and down journey. I pray every day, I promise you that, but normally it's about things that are just right in front of me that, that really need to be prayed about. I would dare say if, if we were to survey all of us, how many of us spend more than five minutes a day in prayer? It's a challenge for us. And I want to say that the challenge may be because we've only learned one form of prayer. And, and really, if you look at Christian history, there are two forms of prayer. The, the first is the one we're most familiar with, spontaneous individual prayer. The second is what I call written communal prayer. Now, let's talk about those. Spontaneous individual prayer. That's just me praying from day to day as things come up. Just whatever's on my mind, I lay out before God. And that is an absolute beautiful thing that needs to be a part of our prayer life. But another tradition in Christianity, and really the history of faith, is, is actually written prayers that are communal, that mean we all pray it together. It doesn't mean we're always at the same building to pray it together, but it means wherever we are, we're praying the same thing. So there are written communal prayers. Now, if you're like me, I grew up thinking a written prayer was wrong. Anybody else feel that way? I don't, maybe, you, I guess I was the only one. Anybody else feel that way? Yes, okay, thank you very much for comforting me. I, I don't think anybody ever told me that, but I can remember the church I grew up in, the first time someone got up and had written their prayer out. I thought they were sinning. I protested. I kept my eyes open the whole time. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. And then... If at least that was his own prayer, I didn't think you were supposed to pray other people's prayers for sure. Certainly that was going to be an affront to Jesus' warning about vain repetitions. And so when I begin to see people pray maybe others' prayer, I mean the church I grew up in, we didn't even pray the Lord's prayer together. Anybody been there? All right? So somehow we had figured out that was a wrong thing to do. So all of our prayer life, communally and Privately was the one time of, of spontaneous prayers. And our, our fear of vain repetition ended up leading us to often just clumsy prayers that avoided 
some of the beautiful, even poetic prayers of Christianity. We felt there was such a risk of repetition. Jesus, didn't, Jesus did not condemn repetition, did he? He condemned vain repetition. We thought there was such a risk of vain repetition that we completely avoided that. And here's what I found in my life is I ended up with a different form of repetition in my spontaneous prayers. Because I would say often, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Lord, thank you for this day. And often I could pray those things, can't you? Just on autopilot. And so today I want to introduce you to the practice of, of what we are going to call today fixed hour prayers. Fixed hour prayers. Now what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you pray for an hour. It means in your day you establish a rhythm of morning, noon, and evening prayers. There's all kinds of different names this is called in Christianity. The name I've chosen for us is fixed hour prayers. Let me give you some examples in Scripture. Psalms 55, verses 16 and 17. As for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my, my voice. That's the Jewish pattern of prayer. Evening, morning, noon. You say, why do they start in the evening? Because you understand this. The Jewish day started in the evening. It started at sunset. Not in the morning like ours. So they had a repetition, a rhythm of prayer where they would pray three times a day. You remember that from Daniel chapter 6. Now when Daniel learned what the decree had been, the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Here we go. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. The authorities who wanted to get him in trouble knew his prayer pattern. And, and so they come up with a decree to turn the ruler against him, and they say, you know what? You can only pray to our ruler. They all knew three times a day he was going to open his windows faced Jerusalem, and he was in prey, and they were right. And even when the decree came out, Daniel has such a set pattern in his relationship with God that he continues to pray, even with the threat of death. And then it seems pretty obvious to me as you begin to read the, the life of Jesus that Jesus himself followed the Jewish prayer pattern. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, if you keep reading here in context, the disciples absolutely know where to find Jesus because they know his prayer pattern in his life. They know if we don't see him in the morning, we know exactly where he is. He's gone off to a solitary place where he's praying. And then in the early church, we begin to see some of the same patterns. I mean, we could go to Acts chapter 10, lots of examples in Acts. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Peter is praying the traditional noon prayer. And this is the prayer where he prays, and God gives him this vision that says to him, the gospel is for everybody. And so we see even in the early church, there's this, this pattern, this, this rhythm of prayer. There's an early Christian manual called the Didache that has this, um, this quotation. 
Every Christian prayed the Lord's Prayer three times a day. So even from early Christian writings, we find out that they had a repetition in their prayer life of three times a day. And so that, that's our, my challenge for you today, is that we established what we call fixed hour prayers. You know, the Bible, Paul, so Paul says that we are to pray without ceasing. None of us think that means that every moment of every day we are wording a prayer. But we do believe that it means our day is bathed in prayer. And here's what I'm encouraging you to do, encouraging me to do, is to establish a pattern that works for you, that allows your busy, crazy day to be interrupted at least just for a few moments to talk to God and think about Him. Now let's um, look at some early examples of what people did pray. The, the Shema was a, a prayer, the greatest commandment, Jesus called it, that was often prayed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There are Christians through the ages who have repeated that prayer over and over again in their prayer life, just asking God that they could love Him with every part of their being. There's another prayer called the Jesus Prayer. I'm not so sure why it's called the Jesus Prayer, because Jesus didn't pray it. But Jesus commended it. Look at this next slide, if you would. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, that's the prayer that uh, that publican who stands in the shadow of that self-righteous Pharisee who thanks God he's so righteous and so good and so wordy in his prayer in contrast to this simple little prayer, Lord, would you be merciful to me, a sinner? There are Christian traditions where that prayer is repeated all day long. Just simply, Lord, Lord, show your mercy to me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me. And then probably the most famous fixed prayer is, is the, the Lord's Prayer, all right? And uh, you see the shorter version of it here in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. And here, when the words are, he said to them, when you pray, say, the Greek language here bears with it the idea of repetition. The idea of this is a pattern that you should use in your prayers. Read this one out loud with me. Father, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. What a beautiful prayer. Can you imagine the power if we knew simply that each one of us every day was praying the Lord's Prayer? Now, I was taught maybe not to pray that because the kingdom had already come. But you've got to understand biblically the idea of kingdom is bigger than the church. The idea of kingdom is the reign and rule of God. When you pray for the kingdom to come, you're praying for whatever is God's will to happen in your life. So you ought to walk in your office praying the Lord's Prayer. Lord, would your kingdom come to this place? You ought to pray that over your wife and your children. Lord, may your kingdom, your will, your reign be true here in this home. When you walk in these doors this morning, we're not here for us. We're here for God. We're here for God to bring his will into our life. Now, there's also another help that I want to introduce, introduce to you today, and, and that's what's often called prayer books. And, and I've got one here, and we've got plenty of these here today, called the Little Book of Hours. That's often how this is called. 
And it uh, gives us some, some rhythms for our prayer life. Many, many traditions have very complicated um, prayer books. Uh, when I was at Pepperdine this past month, I went to a class where they talked about this. And then I, I, I just barely heard something, so I, I started reading everything I could find on this because, like I said, I struggle in my prayer life. I thought, maybe this could be the thing that helped. So I ordered all these different prayer books. Some of them are this thick, and that's just for the summer, all right? And, and some of them are rather complicated. But I found this one that, that really is not too complicated. It's called The Little Book of Hours. And it's called Praying with the Community of Jesus. Please understand the idea of this is for us to be united in prayer. And in this book, every day, it's going to give you what's called a morning devotional and prayer time. It's going to give you a, a, a midday, and it's going to give you an evening. And um, in each of these times, has a little bit different emphasis. In the morning, as you begin your prayer, it's uh, prayers of praise. In the noon, it's a little bit shorter, and it, it's prayers for God just to be with you in the day. And then in the evening prayer time, it's more about prayers of thanksgiving for what God has done. It's really, I've been doing, I've been practicing this for the last two weeks, and I found it to be extremely helpful. I'm not telling you I'm doing perfect with it. But what you're going to love about this is that every day there's a mixture of readings. There's a reading, a prayer from the Psalms. There's a, a reading from the Gospels. There's oftentimes a short reading from a, a, a Christian author. And there are these prayers. Again, if you want to improve your prayer life, and you don't want to get this book, one of the best things you can do is just start praying the Psalms. And that's the prayer book, obviously, of the church. But I found that many times as I pray this, that I'm led to some prayers that are really very short and very powerful. Listening, listen to this really short opening prayer for the day. Just, just, it's just one line. O Christ, dispel sleep, break the chains of night, release long-standing sin, and pour in new light. Why isn't that succinct and yet beautiful? What, what, what a prayer that you could say in one line. Oh, Christ, dispel my sleep. Break the chains of the night. Release these long-standing sins I repeat every day and pour in new light. Well, let me share with you. Here's a, 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 what I think is a really good end-of-the-day prayer. Oh, living and eternal God, you are more ready to give than we to ask. Don't you like that line? You are more ready to give than we are to ask. Grant us a new vision of yourself, that seeing you as you are, we may desire you, and desiring you may surrender our life to you. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but my words don't always come out that way. And that's so beautiful to pray that prayer. Let me just share a couple more with you. Here's another opening. This is, this is actually a midday prayer. Oh, Jesus, our redemption, love, and desire, may your love constrain you to pass over our evils, sparing us and having answered our prayer, may you satisfy us with your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Wouldn't that be cool just to ask God in your day when you're so consumed with so many things that if you could just be satisfied with his face, you'd be okay. Let me share one more. You're getting the idea 
Here's another prayer, an evening prayer. Almighty, ever-living li- ever God, you are our Heavenly Father. Notice the plural term here, because you're not praying this by yourself. We're praying this together. Grant that we, your adopted children, by water and the Spirit, may continue steadfast in your love, and we brought at last to live with you on high. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Well, that's just a sampling. You also, in, in these readings, this, this is made for, if you did it solid, it would last you about a month. But, I, but I'm, I'm saying to you, just, just get on a pace that works for you. Find a rhythm in your life that fits. So let's, let's make some practical point as we begin to, to close out this message. What is the power of fixed hour prayers? If you're like me, years ago, this would sound very foreign to me, maybe even scary. But I tell you today, for those of us who struggle in our prayer life, it could be a great, great blessing to you. Let me give you the power. First of all, it gives us words and spiritual depth to our prayers. Often my problem is I just don't have the right words. You ever been in a place in your life where, where things were really struggling and you didn't know quite what to say to God? I mean, you knew you were hurting, but, but when you came to God, you just sort of went silent. Now, I found one of the greatest helps in that are the Psalms. I can, I can remember the worst year of my life where I fell in love with Psalms 55. Oh, it's a great prayer. Listen to my prayer, O oh God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught because of what the enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assault me with anger. My heart is in anguish with me. The terrors of death have filled me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their words. For I see the violence. Day and night they prowl around. If an enemy were assaulting me, I would endure it. If, it. if a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But as you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship in the house of God, as we walked among the worshipers. Now, that prayer allowed me to make it through the worst year of my life. Because I found words that worked. And I challenge you to find those words. And and, and the beauty of using some written prayers along with your spontaneous prayers is that they give you words, at least for me, that that right now don't come to me easily. Here's what I want to say to you. If you want to learn how to pray better, pray with people. That's how you learn to pray better. I've, I've been in a prayer group for over... 12 years with, with four men. And, and I can tell you, I learned so much about praying with those men. I learned of a beautiful eloquence in praying with Joe Donaldson every month. I learned about honesty and confession praying with Jim Sanderson. I learned about pouring out my emotions before God with Tim Lee. 
I learn about an intensity about God and God doing great things from praying with Al Crosby. It changes you. Find you some people to pray with. And even find you some ancient people to pray with. You see, number two, it can protect us from selfish prayers. You see, my tendency is when I start praying, I pray about what I need and what I want. And please don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong about praying for your needs. But please don't understand this message. There is something wrong with only praying about your needs. And we struggle with that, don't we? I've been in group after group where I would say, okay, guys, let's spend some time in prayer. And I want us to do a prayer where all we do is praise God. Just praise God. No asking, no thinking, no just praise God. Can I tell you, I found with myself and with most of us, it's impossible that once we start that prayer, it always always deteriorates into, Lord, give me this. It's just so natural to us. And that's why this can help. Here's another book I used years ago called A Diary of Private Prayer. Let me, let me read this prayer. This is a, this is a morning prayer. And j- just listen to the, the beauty of these words. Eternal Father of my soul, let my first thought today be of thee. Let my first impulse be to worship thee. Let my first speech be thy name. Let my first action be to kneel before thee in prayer. For thy perfect wisdom and perfect goodness. For their love wherewith thou lovest mankind. For the love wherewith thou lovest me. For the great and mysterious opportunity of my life. For the indwelling of thy spirit in my heart. I praise and worship thee. Oh, I could read the rest of it, but you get the idea. Number one, I don't pray with these and thou's anymore, do you? But there's something about the reverence and the holiness of praying a prayer like this. And so what I'm saying to you is that it will keep you away from just getting up and saying, Lord, help me do this today. And Lord, heal this person that I know sick. Pray those prayers, but you need more. And number three, it unites us in prayer with other Christians. The, the, The Christian tradition about this that we've skipped is that Christians all over the world are praying some of the same prayers. Though we might not land here every morning to pray together, we know out among this city and town, we're all praying the same prayers. And, and I, I would say this, if, if you want to change a friendship into a spiritual friendship, there's, there's one simple step that radically changes. Pray with that person. We want to change our relationship here in this body. I think if we would begin to pray these prayers together, that, you know, when we run into each other at the supermarket or go out to eat lunch with each other or meet in the lobby here at church, maybe we'd have something to talk about more than the weather and the football game. Because we're praying together, we're reading Scripture together. Number four, it establishes sacred rhythms in our lives. It establishes sacred wi- rhythms. Because, let, let's face it, we're all busy. I used to think it was sinful to be busy and not preach about it. But let me be honest with you, I'm busy. I've always been busy. And one of the turning points of my life was when I finally said to myself, you ever talk to yourself? Buddy, you're busy. You're going to be busy, so stop complaining about it. Because I would go through life every day going, you're just too busy, you're too busy, you're too busy, you're just too busy, you're too busy. You ever done that? And it's, it's torturous. That's so what I finally figured out is be okay with it. 
I'm going to be busy. I don't think the Bible's against being busy. I think Jesus was very busy. Here, though, I think is our missing ingredient. Our missing ingredient is not to get rid of all busyness, but is to establish some sacred spiritual rhythms that interrupt our busyness. And what you've got to do is you've got to find what works for you. Maybe for you, it's right before you eat breakfast, right after you get back from lunch, and right before you go to bed. Or maybe it's after the evening meal. Maybe it's something you do as a family together around the meal table in that last prayer. But here's what I'm saying to you. You find that rhythm. You're going to be busy. But here's what we want. We want our life to be interrupted by God. We want to be reminded through the busyness and hecticness of our life that God is the center. And and, and guys, the way you measure that is by your prayer life. Jesus says, when I come back to the earth, will I find faith? What's the context of that statement? How is Jesus going to find faith? The context is people are praying. And when we begin to establish those rhythms that interrupt our day, we begin to walk with God in a much more intimate way. And that brings me to our last point today. I believe when we practice these prayers together that God moves. Because here's what I love about whether you're praying the Psalms or you're praying for the gospel or you're praying from some ancient writer or you're praying something somebody in here wrote. It takes me away from just asking for my will to be done. And it gets me to a place where I'm asking God to do His will. You see, what I love about these prayers is that none of them you have to read and go, you know, I'm not so sure if that's God's will or not. Because here's what happens. We pray really flimsy prayers, don't we? We pray about something, and then we always add on the end, Lord, if it be your will. Lord, if it possibly, you might think about it, you might consider it. Hopefully, maybe, God, do it. That sort of destroys your prayer life, doesn't it? It weakens it. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. I think there are certain things in your life that you need to pray about that you don't know if it's God's will. Should I buy this house? Should I take this job? Should I... Okay, good, yeah. At the end of those prayers, go, Lord, if it be your will, then do it, okay? But when you're praying something that is rooted in Scripture, that is in the name of Jesus, you know what it means to pray in Jesus' name? What it means to pray in Jesus' name is to pray by His authority and His will. It's not praying about your selfish deals. When you pray that way, you don't have to tack on the end if it be your will. You know it's His will. And so you pray it boldly. Because here's what I'm convinced. There's so many things not happening in your life, not happening in my life, and not happening in the life of this church for one reason. We're not praying. I love that passage in James 4 verse 2. You don't have because you don't ask. And our struggle with prayer life leads... You see, here's what I believe. is, is God's got all these things He wants to do for us, and in us, and among us, and through us. That's what He says in His Word. What's he waiting on, buddy? He's waiting on me to ask. God's not a bully. God didn't come in and just force his way. I love this passage in Ezekiel 37. God makes just dozens of promises to his people. At the end of that passage, he says, And I will let the house of Israel ask me for these things. This is what I want to do. Do I want to bless you? Do I want to use you? Do I want to mold you? Absolutely. But I will not do it unless you ask. So that's what excites me about this. We're going to be asking. If, if, if the only prayer you prayed every day was the Lord's Prayer, 
you would be asking for his kingdom to come on this earth. So let me close with this one passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I love this passage. Maybe one of my very top passages in all the Bible. I love what Paul says here. No matter how many promises God has made, stop right there for a minute. No matter how many promises God has made. You ever read the, the Bible and just underline the promises? It's endless. No matter how many promises God has made, what's the next line? They are yes in Christ. Did you hear that? God's made all these promises to you and I. He wants them to be true in our life. I'm not saying God's going to give you an easy life. I'm telling you he's going to give you the strength to make it through a tough life. I'm not saying everything's going to always fall in your place, but you're going to have an abundance and a peace that nobody else has. God's made all these promises, and here's the cool news. They are yes in Christ. Well, what's God waiting on? Then why in my life that way? Why am I so miserable right now? Why am I struggling? Why is the church struggling? Look at the last line with me. Here's what's got to happen. And so through him... That's Jesus. The amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What does the word amen mean? So be it. Say that with me. So be it. So what's he saying? God's got all these promises he wants to do in your life and my life. And, 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 and they're all yes. None of them are no. None of them are maybe. They're all yes. Oh God, what do you want me to do? I want you to come in the name of Jesus. And I want you to say Amen to what I promise. So be it, and it will be done. That's why prayer is so important. And we can't just keep holding on and struggling from day to day with our prayer life. Not when what God could do through us. So we come to a point in our service right now, a really important point, where if you need some prayers before you get out of here, we would love to pray for you. If maybe you've had a hard time praying on your own, or you've got a place in your life where you feel like things have gone silent between you and God, or maybe even between God and you, and you know the Bible promises there is something special that happens when his people gather to pray, we invite you to this front row. If today's the day that you want to make your mind up to follow Jesus and to be born of the water and the Spirit and to begin life walking with him day to day, you can indicate that today. More than anything before we leave this place, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going I'm to make an assumption right now, none of us are in a hurry. Not in too big a hurry to pray, please. Certainly not in too big a hurry to pray and tap the power of God. If you need it, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing.